This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to this month's episode of your monthly journey through an alternate universe where things didn't happen in the world of professional wrestling the way they happened in the primary universe. Welcome to this month's episode of Through the Looking Glass. I am your co-host, Scott Criscolo. Happy February, everybody. I hope uh, it is uh, mild and comfortable wherever you are in the world. I know that my co-host is very mild. Um... Uh, it is actually not too bad here because a year ago when we were doing our episodes, uh, it was about 90 degrees difference between where he lived and where I live. Uh, it is not as bad now. I bet you I bet you the gap is within 30 degrees, which is pretty good for February. Let me bring him in. He is the Thunder from Down Under. And yes, for the second consecutive year, his uh, his uh, San Francisco 49ers ended my season. But <laughs> but. Uh, but but sadly, both our seasons ended the same way with losses. Good evening, Dave Hall. How are you? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. I've recovered. I've recovered from the disappointment of uh, having to play no quarterback in uh, in a championship. They're going to call you. So, they're uh, going to call. <laughs> they're going to call you in by uh, the fifth uh, string. Well, no, I was. I was warming up. I had my jersey on. I was warming up. You know. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, they just weren't willing to fork out the the the, the overseas fare. So no, it's um it's been uh it's been a, a good it's been a good month. Uh, February it's uh, I tell you what down here summer has we're at the back end of summer, but it has hit with an absolute fury in the past couple of weeks. So it's not too bad today. We're about we're about eighty degrees um your temperature today, but on Saturday we we hit a hundred. So we wow. had a real structure of a day. I was visiting my parents on Saturday and it was it was 30, 38 Celsius and that's that's a hundred degrees. So Yikes. it was a pretty pretty warm day. So uh okay, yeah. so, all right, so we're not thirty degrees apart. <laughs> I was I was thrilled yesterday when the temp hit fifty two here. So it's I was very I was very thrilled. But well, as uh, I said, I, as I said, it's about eighty today. So it's, okay. it's not bad. It's a nice day. So not bad. Uh, well, Dave, it's always a pleasure. Our show continues to do uh, great things here on the PTV Wrestling Network, and we thank you, our listeners. Thank you so much for your support, both with this, uh, of course, with this show and all the other shows here on the network, and of course, our other feeds uh, here on the Quadipods. Of course, the uh, the PTV Pop Experience, the No So, uh, and the Jenny Position. Uh, of course, Dave is on the No So from time to time as well. Um, this month, uh, tonight, we're going to. This is a topic that's. This is also official. What I always say is, Dave, of course, is the is the brains behind the brawn. Um, he does a lot of the of the the research and picks our awesome topics. I pretty much blabber and edit. It's pretty much all I do. It's the two <laughs> things I'm good at: talking and editing. That's what I do well. Um, but this the, and and a lot some of our top some of the topics Dave and I had to chew on a little bit. Others others are are fish in a barrel. This episode is totally fish in a barrel because. This month we're going to talk about a guy. Well, we talked about his ta- his mid south tag team partner uh, several months, several episodes ago. 
Um, so this month we'll talk about him. And for the first time in through the looking glass history, we're going to open multiple. We're going to be we're going to be totally messing stuff up. We're going to be opening multiple alternate universes at different points in history. Dave, why don't you set the table for us? What do we have tonight? Well, uh, it, it's it's very interesting as we record today. Uh, it is we are twelve years and two days shy of. A pretty, uh, a pretty infamous little time period in WWE history. So in, in 2011, in February 2011, some vignettes started to uh, to appear on screen, and and they were they were in reality they were promoting the uh, return of the Undertaker to prepare for his WrestleMania annual WrestleMania return and WrestleMania battle. Right. But at, but at the time, the rumor mill went absolutely haywire. Because a lot of people and a lot of insiders believed that the vignettes and the video clips were actually touting the arrival of the man who had been the franchise of WCW for so long, a man who many people thought would never step foot in the WWE, Mm -hmm. a man they call Sting. Yes, so yeah, so we we are recording. So the the videos were hyping the return being two twenty two eleven, obviously twenty second of February two thousand and eleven. As I said, as we record this and as this drops, that is essentially twelve years ago. And um and I remember I remember it so distinctly because not only was the rumor mill, I mean it was it wasn't just a couple of people. It was. It was Meltzer. It was, um, mm-hmm. you know, all the all the internet sites. Everyone was touting that Sting had signed with WWE, and this was bolstered by the fact that his contract with TNA had actually lapsed, and he was still in negotiations with TNA. So there was a lot of potential that this could be a reality, and so we're going to look today at not just. 2011 and what might have happened if Sting came in. But we're going to look at multiple occasions where the rumors were out there or potential that Sting could have come to the WWE. Now, of course, Sting did finally make it to the WWE. Uh, Famously, now I'm having a mental blank, um, Survivor Series, uh, what year was it? when did he when did he make the return? When did he make uh, the appearance? 2014. Survivor Series. 2014. So Survivor, Survivor Series 2014. Yep. Yes. So, so Survivor Series 2014, Sting had that very famous uh debut appearing at the end of the Survivor Series match and and and, and attacking Triple H, uh beginning the build and, and, and quite a good build to a match that he and uh, Triple H would have at WrestleMania the following year. So um we're going to have a bit of a look at Sting today and 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 who he was and I guess as always it's always good to sort of memories and and I remember my first memory of Sting um, as I've as I've shared multiple times we really didn't get NWA WCW down here in Australia so my first introduction to Sting was through the Actor Mags PWI um, and specifically it was the August 1988. Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, which basically gave the the overview, the the summary, the results of the original Clash of Champions card, where Sting went 45 minutes with with 
the Nature Boy himself, Ric Flair. That was my first introduction to Sting. And over the course of the following couple of years, some WCW videos became available here in Australia, and I got to see Sting in ring. Predominantly, 1989 was the first time I really saw him in ring, and his uh, his union with with Flair, the aforementioned Flair, and and his battles with the Great Muda, which they were they were some fantastic matches back in '89 for for a young Sting, and obviously building to his championship win in 1990. So that was how I got to know Sting, mainly through the after mags. Uh, with sort of 8990 VHS uh, watching uh, coming to the forefront. What about you, Scott? What we? How did you first get an introduction to Sting, and what were your early memories? Well, I remember uh, renting because I didn't watch it live. I remember renting the Starcade uh, 87 tape, and if you remember, those listening remember back then. Uh, Turner used to chop the crap out of uh, uh, out of uh, their VHS tapes. But I do remember that that he was in the opener, which I'm pretty sure was on the tape, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong, but I think I'm not. Uh, he was a heel, if I remember correctly, I think. Might have been a baby face. No, he's probably a baby face. Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, and Sting. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, because I'm watching one of my chrono watches. I'm right now in August of 87 in their faces. So he was on the babyface six-man team of Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, and, uh, and Michael Hayes. And they took on the team of Eddie Gilbert, Larry Zabisco, and Rick Steiner. And that match ended in a draw. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, that that match was on the tape. If not, maybe I watched it on a, maybe they put it on like one of the Cindy's pretty sure it was on the tape though. I'll have to ask uh, Sean Kidd. He would probably know. Um, but the first time, and to me, he was just, Oh, there's just some dude. Um, obviously most of Starcade 87 was, um, you know, most of the guys were there were, um, were, uh, UWF displants because obviously Bill Watts, UWF promotion was, folded up into Crockett. Um, but obviously the match that I first saw Sting shine is the one you mentioned, Dave, that they talked about in the mags because I watched. Um, I taped it in another room. I was at my friend's house on April 27th, 1988, watching WrestleMania 4. Meanwhile, my brother, my oldest brother, um, uh, who was, uh, who was, you know, he, he was obviously he was in a, his bedroom. He wasn't home. And I asked him, can you do me a favor? He said, yeah. I said, can you tape for me? You're not going to be home tonight. He goes, no, I got, I think he, my brother bold or whatever. And he said, I'm not gonna be home tonight. I said, good. Do you mind uh, if I schedule clash of the champions one to record on, on your VCR? And he's like, yeah, sure. Huh? What time's that? I said, I think it's eight o'clock and it goes until I think 10. He goes, that's fine. So I was at my friend's house watching WrestleMania four live and at home on VHS in my brother's bedroom, we were taping clash of the champions one. So the next day when I got home from school, I, I was, what was I, uh, I was a freshman in high school. Um, I got home and I threw the tape in and I watched this very interesting match uh between sting and uh my 
well, I'll say it, Dave, our uh, world's heavyweight champion, uh, the GOAT, the real GOAT, uh, of course, mm-hmm. the nature boy, Ric Flair. And it was a very strange match because, please feel free to feel free to hop in with your thoughts if you, right. when you when you first when you first saw it. But this is a match because at this time in the previous you know three years when when Flair was feuding with Dusty and then up until the car accident he was feuding with Magnum and then he feuded with Nikita and then he feuded with Ronnie Garvin. And he actually, uh, not many people remember this. In the middle of 87, he was he was feuding with uh, 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 Jimmy Garvin. So he was feuding with the whole Garvin family in 1987. Mm. In fact, uh, Jimmy Garvin turned babyface uh, in 87 as a combo with with the two of them, with him and uh, and Ronnie uh, to go against Flair. And Jimmy, I think, uh, took him on in Great American Bash tour matches, if I remember correctly. Uh, Anyway, I move on. but a Flair babyface match, Flair usually dominated, usually, and uh, the babyface had to make comebacks, whether it was Flair, whether it was Dusty or whatever, Ronnie Garvin or whatever. Well, the Ronnie Garvin match at Starcade's different because Ronnie was the champion, so that match had a different dynamic anyway. But this guy, this Sting who, again, I'd only seen in, in a throwaway six-man tag at Starcade 87, he was wrestling differently. He was countering everything. This kid, this guy that I had never heard of, and he was countering and clubbing him, and he was excited, and he was pumped up. And I think to myself, who the hell is this guy? And why does he, why is he in this ring with no fear of, at mm. that moment, the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. No fear. You know what I mean, Dave? He was completely like, I'm going to beat you. And in the grand scheme of things, of course, uh, uh, Sting wouldn't win his first world title for, for a couple of years. He would, he would defeat, uh, he would eventually beat Flair, of course, at uh, the Great American Bash in, in 1990 to win his first world title. So it took a couple of years. But he wrestled such a different match against Flair. Um, now, do I think the matches stood the test of time? I had an interesting discussion with somebody. I think it was Chad, Chad Campbell. Uh, when we were doing our GWCW ma- uh, matches a couple of years ago, uh, our top 100 list, and I had that match in like the 30s, maybe even the 40s. I mm-hmm. said to myself, wow, I never thought I would have this match that low. There's better Flair matches, and there's, I think there's actually better Sting matches. Yes. But that match still still stands the test of time because oh, absolutely because of because of that was Sting's coming out party. You had no idea who this guy was, why he's getting a title match on the first major on the on the NWA equivalent of Saturday night's main event. Yeah. And you're giving him the main event slot against again the GOAT. And he hung with him for 45 minutes. It's crazy. It, it's a, it's a sensational match. I I I, I enjoy. It. Like you said, it, it's not. There are better Sting matches and there are better Flair matches. That that's without not without doubt. But this match, it was so unique. And and watching it back, I think it stands the test of time because it's not just a coming out party. In one match, Sting went from lower you know lower mid card, and that's really where he'd been sitting, lower mid card, 
to main event player to essentially the number one baby face in the company for the rest of his career um in WCW he was he was he was a made man flair flair treated him if there was something about that match like you said he it wasn't just no fear but it was the way he kept coming and and the and the power and the strength yet he he had that power and strength that you normally saw in WWE guys mm-hmm. Right. But he had he had the skill to go with it. He had the charisma to draw the crowd in. So he was a unique combination of everything. And in that one night, he went from a nobody to the the main event babyface. I, I believe on that night he he eclipsed um he eclipsed Dusty, uh, which probably explains why he was so quickly uh he didn't get the rematches. He didn't really I mean they were they WCW were pushing Luger and and the breakup of the Horsemen and Luger was sort of the guy they wanted to to push for a little while but it really felt like from the moment that that Clash of Champions finished Sting was seen as the brighter star than Luger and probably um, eclipsed Dusty in terms of popularity quite suddenly and. And that became even more evident when Dusty left in eighty at the end of eighty eight and, and Sting moves into really that number one role. Um, you know, he shared it with Flair, he later shares it with Hogan, but he was always at the top and in one and it all happened in one night. And that, it's just mm-hmm. such an amazing, amazing match. And you watch it back and you can see it happening, you can see the swell, you can see the crowd getting behind him, and you can see him emerging as a player. Mm-hmm. In that one, in that one uh, match. So, yeah, it's it's a fantastic match, and and he goes on to have to have a great career and and a storied career that yeah you know, we're not here to you know this isn't a sting uh, career reflection, but um, he certainly I mean he had some great moments. He had times of being misused, and uh, but yeah, he was he was a made man in one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great it's a great match. So from that point on, um, I uh, from that point on, I I I was a big Sting guy. Um, I did love Flair, but uh, Sting to me was the um, he was the face of the NWA. And then when obviously when Crockett sold to Ted Turner and NWA, you know, transitioned to um, to WCW. He just seemed like the guy that, like, all these other guys were bouncing in, bouncing out, bouncing in, bouncing out. And just like The Undertaker, who also stood, has stood the test of time while guys were bouncing in, bouncing out, bouncing in, bouncing out. And Flair, uh, uh, Sting was the same way. Uh, He was a good employee. Uh, He was one of those guys that didn't always have to be champion to be at the top of the card or always had to be champion to get a good spot. Because he was that good at what he did. Was he a great wrestler? Um, he was part. He was suited. He 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 had enough skill to do what needed to be done. Correct. He wasn't. He wasn't a technical marvel. He's not a steamboat. He's not a flare. But I think he has more more wrestling ability. Than a Hogan and a Warrior, and yeah, so he's he's in that, but his his charisma and he he had enough of he had enough skill 
and enough strength to be able to take a bit from each and make it his own. And, um, you know, it's, and, and it made it work. And, and he was, he was the face of the company. I mean, even when Hogan came in, Sting was still the, the, the face of the company and they had to, you could see they were doing everything they could to push Hogan uh, in the early days, 94, 95, the early days of Nitro. And yet Sting was still the one that everyone was excited to see. Right. He, ne- he never suffered the backlash that Hogan did. Uh, no, no, he didn't. Um, he should have, he should have, uh, um, gotten more opportunities that Starcade 97 match should have been a better match. Um, everything in front of it should have been better. Uh, I, I remember reading that, you know, the reason that Starcade 97 match was so bad, Bischoff and Hogan were throwing Sting under the bus because he was, uh, Sting came back out of shape. And uh, I, 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 honestly, I think, I think it's, oh. yeah, I think it's all bullshit in my opinion. I think just Hogan, just, be, just Terry wanted to be Terry as, uh, as Nate Milton yeah. would say. Um, but tonight, one of the, one thing about Sting, and this is what, again, we're not doing a Sting retrospective because we need Nate Milton here for that, but, (laughs) but, uh, cause Sting's his guy, but Mm. what we're doing tonight is when we think about Sting and Taker, the one thing they didn't have in common didn't is that there was the only, there was never there was never consistent rumors about Taker leaving. Yeah. The only time there, the only time that there were rumblings, and this doesn't really count because the whole roster there were rumblings was after Montreal. Mm. Uh, everybody was leaving, was going to leave because they fucking hated Vince so much. But Taker knew I'm going to weather the storm uh, because I can't be Undertaker in WWE. Uh, in a WCW, they'll call me, I don't know, Kane, the Undertaker, I don't know what they'll call me, you know, uh, Tombstone or something. Tombstone, I don't know. Tombstone, no, 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 Mark. Tombstone Mark, Tombstone Mark Calloway or something stupid. So <laughs> Texas Red, Tombstone Texas Red or something, something moronic. Anyway, hmm. um, however, on the other hand, there have been many times in history where sting was definitely rumored to be leaving wcw for the wwf slash e now tonight we are going to hit four of those moments two of them are definite dave alluded to one at the beginning and there's another one that uh there was another one that was um that was very strong rumor that was not uh it was more than just innuendo and then we're going to mention two other times in history that you may not have heard, but was definitely the truth. Uh, in 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 Sting leave, uh, Sting coming to WWE, whether it was leaving a promotion or whether it was him being a free agent, uh, there are four of them that we'll get into tonight. Again, two of them you definitely will know because they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't uh, secrets. And then two of them you may not you may not know. But were certainly uh, discussed. So, Absolutely. so for the first time in in through the looking glass history, Dave, we may need to call this episode "Through the Looking Glasses" because 
there's we're, multiple glasses gla- through glasses we'll be looking through tonight. So what that multiple multiple layers it all gets reflected even larger. Ha <laughs> yes. Yes. I love you Dave Hall. That was great. Um that's tremendous. So Dave, why don't you set us up with moment uh sit- situation number 1 or let's open up the first looking glass and talk about the first moment or the first scenario where Sting almost came to the WWF. Well, I think I think the best place to start is the one we've already alluded to, and that is that is the one where, as we said, in 2011, it was okay. very strong speculation. I think that's the best one because that's the one that I think is in everyone's mind the most. What True. what what was going on? We had these we had these vignettes, uh, the, the the rain, very black and white, a man in a trench coat walking into a cabin of some sort. And uh, as we said, there's this speculation that it was going to be Sting. And and Sting has acknowledged, um, it was acknowledged that he was offered a contract. He was offered the contract to come in and face Taker at WrestleMania. Now, there's there's some belief out there that maybe the WWE thought he was coming and these vignettes were in, were actually going to be for Sting and then they transitioned it to Taker. Looking back on them, you you can see that they are they are they are for Taker. You, you you can very clearly tell that it's supposed to be the Undertaker. But that speculation was rampant. Sting was offered a contract. It, it's it's acknowledged that Sting knocked back the contract and re-signed with TNA. But but the idea was he was coming in to face the Undertaker at WrestleMania in 2011. So I guess the question needs to be asked, what would that have looked like? How might that have gone? What if on the 22nd of February 2011, it was Sting who appeared in the in the WWE on Raw, issuing the challenge to The Undertaker? Um, well, I, I think if it had happened, I, I think the place, the roof would have gone, would have blown off the place. Because in 2011, Sting was, he was a veteran. But he still he'd been wrestling consistently in CNA for a few years as as one of their top guys, and he had the history in WCW. the 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 DVD um, releases that the WWE had come out with, while Sting had never been featured at that point, he was all over multiple DVDs, matches against Flair and against Cactus Jack and. You know, he he was all over these DVD releases because of his time in WCW. So, you know, the you know, WCW wants specific ones, you know, Rise and Fall of WCW. So he was known to the audience. And I think if he turned up, the roof would have just – it would have gone – blown off the place in one night. It would have been one of the loudest re- uh, receptions ever. Oh, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, you think? I mean, Sting was still in his wrestling prime. Uh, 2011 was a was kind of a wonky year for TNA. Of course, Sting was champion uh, in 2010, and of course, he ended up wrestling that god awful shit show against Jeff Hardy, who was a, a freaking mess. Uh, you, I think it was was it was it Victory Road or Against All Odds? I'm trying to remember what was the. Oh, I, I, I can't remember which one, but it was yeah, the, the one somewhere uh, it was was off his face. Yeah, he was he was a mess. He was a mess. And Sting was the TNA champion. 
he was supposed to wrestle Jeff Hardy and Jeff Hardy showed up. Uh, let's just say not in working shape. Um, uh, so, and you know, you had Hogan and Bischoff. So Sting was probably like, I don't know if I feel like dealing with this bullshit anymore. So, so, uh, he, he, you know, there was, there was probably some, some, some dancing and some courting and, but when it turned out probably that, that Sting was going to job to, 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 uh, take her. Cause I don't know if Sting would have beaten Taker. I don't know if that was going to happen in Atlanta. We'll have that conversation in a minute. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. conversation we'll have in a moment. Yeah. Um, now had he stayed, uh, I still, I mean, I don't think anything else changes. If you remember, of course, our, our, uh, our debut episode, Dave, we talked about CM Punk and the pipe bomb, uh, <laughs> That would not have changed. I think that's that still would have happened. I don't think there's any doubt. I still think that would have happened. Yeah. Um, all that other stuff would have happened. Sting would have probably feuded over the world heavyweight title with whoever that was, whether it was who was it, Del Rio and uh, Mark Henry and that whole and Orton, that whole thing, because Mark Henry was champion in the back half of, of 2011, the world heavyweight champion. Cause, uh, uh, punk and, and that was a whole punk triple H, Kevin Nash, Del Rio and all that. And then, and of course, yeah, edge, edge Christian and, and, and Randy Orton. Yep. So, and then yeah. you had, and then you had Mark Henry and then, so edge retired. So this was a good, the timing would have been good for sting because edge had to leave. Edge was done. After you know the week after WrestleMania 27 with his neck issue, so so he was gone for the next what ten years or whatever it was, nine years, whatever it was. Um, so there was an opening, there was an opening for uh for a star. So I think uh, I think Sting would have fit with the company. Uh, I was actually talking to Dr. G about about this moments ago. I was at his house earlier today, and I was mentioning to him that you and I were recording, and he said, "Ah, WWE would have probably screwed it up." Uh, he's probably he's probably <laughs> he's probably not entirely wrong, as we would see four years later. But yeah. but um uh, I think 2011 would have been very interesting on SmackDown if Sting was because I think. I think they would have wanted Sting on broadcast television, not net, not cable. So I think yeah. even though Raw was the bigger show, you know, that's how they always think. I think SmackDown, which is which was on. The heck was it on in 2011? CW still, I guess. Yeah, I think um, in Australia, it was on Fox. So, yeah, you know, no, I couldn't tell you what it was over there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to think. I have a feeling it was. Uh, something tells me it was. um uh, it was CW, I think, still, or My9, or whatever. Anyway, no, it wasn't My9. Anyway, the point is, that's broadcast television, and I think they would have wanted Sting to take to have him there to take advantage of those ratings. Plus, I think uh, that would have been a fun run with the World Heavyweight title, which is a belt he held a few times <clears throat> in WCW, obviously. Um, and he might not have gotten the, the buckle bomb from uh, – from, from Seth Rollins that would have well pretty much led him to being nothing more than a tag partner for Darby Allen. So what do you think, Dave? That that's what I think. I think he probably had he stuck around, 
I think the deal made with him, not only financially, but would have been, all right, you're going you're gonna to face Taker Mania. You're going to lose. We're not breaking the streak. But you will get high-profile main event matches, and we will make you world heavyweight champion at some point. Yeah, well, I guess that therein lies the question. Like, if you bring him in to, to face Taker, and do is it the right thing to to have Sting lose his first match back? Now we'll, we'll come back to that question a little bit later. But but oh, but you know, he, if he's facing Taker, that this is at the peak of the streak. Taker has just beaten the previous year; has just beaten Sean um, and sent Sean into retirement. Um, and and it would have I think it would have been interesting to bring Sting in. Um, I think they would have brought him in as a babyface. I don't think I think they would have done the babyface concept and you know just backed it on that you know icon versus icon. You I, you would have promoted icon versus icon, franchise versus franchise. The man neither of them have ever faced each other in in a major setting. Now Sting apparently Sting and 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 Taker. Did apparently have a couple of house show matches when Taker was in WCW uh, back in, you know, 1990, but they'd never really met on any main stage on TV, on pay-per-view. So I think they would have really built it big and it would have had a massive, massive, uh, yeah, arguably you could see this match. You'd almost come into the argument, does this match almost slot into the main event spot? I mean, 2011 WrestleMania was was the Miz and Cena and and Rock as the as the side player and I guess with Rock there maybe you still have that main event element kept there but I could see a Sting Taker match almost taking center stage at Mania is it the right thing to 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 beat a guy on his on his first night in I think Sting and Taker would have made it work. I think they are both giving enough and understand how the business works that Taker, I think Sting would have been happy to put Taker over. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think Taker would have given him enough to make him a star. I, I, I see the match being one of those Sting, you know, Sting probably drops him with the, with the, with the death drop, puts the Scorpio. The ref is probably knocked down at one point. So Sting probably gets a visual pin on Taker or a visual I don't know whether you'd have Taker tap out but certainly middle of the ring can't get to the ropes it, it right. for all intents and purposes Sting's got the match one with the ref down that's how I think they would have had something in there to put really make it look like Sting had Taker beat correct there was no ref um I, I see the finish almost being one of those yeah, you know, I, I don't even think. I think, I think he'd take the. I think we'd see the the tombstone. I think Sting would be kicking out, and I almost see it being one of those, just the the sheer exhaustion. Whether it be a second tombstone, whether it be something happens, and Taker just barely able to crawl over, put his arm over, not that dominant pin that Taker does, but that. Taker's exhausted, Sting's exhausted, you get that pin, and, you know, it takes them both a couple of minutes to get up. Sting, you know, Taker offers the handshake, possibly even kneels in front of him, you know, sort of to, to sort of acknowledge, hey, you are, you're a man, you're a player, and it took everything I had to beat you. And maybe they walk, 
maybe they walk out together almost, you know, preempting what happened with Taker and Triple H the year after in after Hell in a Cell where they all sort of left together. You could sort of right. see that that sure. sort of imagery of uh, happening. And then and then yeah, I think I think you then transition Sting to to SmackDown. And uh I, I agree with you. I think with Edge's injury, I think Sting becomes the player in in on SmackDown. I, I would go so far as to say that I, I see it being that um, you know, Del Rio, I, I think Edge Edge does his retirement. Del Rio wins, maybe is given the title or whatever. Del Rio and Sting basically meet at the next event and Sting Sting beats him and Sting goes on a run. I think he then he then faces Randy Orton, he faces Christian, he faces he works his way through the the um the SmackDown crew and I think he he probably dominates SmackDown for a good six to nine months. Um and then and then maybe maybe you put the belt back on back on Orton. Orton it could almost be Orton's next um next vendetta, next, you know, he's he's trying to doing everything he can to finally beat Sting and Sting puts Orton over as Almost a, a repassing. He he does that moment of passing a torch to Orton, and and then and then probably moves on to to some you know lower end feuds, putting some young guys over, building them up, being almost being what Taker the role Taker played before he went to one match a year. I think Sting takes that role on for a couple of years, and probably probably almost sort of ends his time in WWE with putting Brock over when Brock comes back. Uh, I, I could see that being a way that something he would do and, and something they would look at being a, a way to really push Brock up there and, and give him a big win. Um, so that, that's how I, I think I would have seen that, that uh, a 2011 sting run go. The Brock thing's interesting. I never really thought about that. If we forget that Brock come, you know, obviously Brock makes his triumphant return the following year, the night after WrestleMania. Uh, 28, and for the most part, he's now been here almost a decade on and off, um, which is pretty funny. He's been here longer than he was the first time. Yeah. Um, how long would Sting stick around? Um, I think they look at trying to transition him the way they they've done the other big time players. I think if they if he could have stayed healthy and had a good 12 month run. I think losing the Brock, he then becomes another one who starts making annual WrestleMania appearances. Well, it's funny you say that, Dave, because, you know, we take this into account. We lost Sean in 2010, so mm. we don't get the we don't get the automatic five star epic against somebody. Um, so adding Sting is actually a fairly uh, is actually a pretty big deal. Um, because we were able to get either Taker and St- Taker and Sean together, which of course we got two two years in a row, or Taker in a match and Sting in a match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Sean gone, you get Sting, and now you get two annual epic level matches between with Sting and somebody versus 
and Taker and somebody. Yeah. So and I think and I think I think you would have been able to to take advantage of some of the some of the history that played in like it, it's you know we, we've got to look at, at at time periods and time differences but can you imagine Sting going up against someone like Cody Rhodes um you know granted we're talking 10 years ago but Cody Rhodes the son of Dusty you know Sting who wrestled right. with with Dusty and you know you, you could you could almost do a few of these little you know historical lookbacks you know Sting meeting guys who have a tie to to WCW legends where they were trained by someone or or the son of something you know, son of Dusty you, know, you could I think yeah you could create that era of the cross generational thing yeah, definitely. Um, and I think he probably would have lasted close to now. Him and Taker might have maybe gone out at the same time. Obviously, they're you know they're both in the Hall of Fame now. So um. well, imagine, imagine one year. I mean, a, a, an epic one year. Although it's it, it sort of defeat. Well, after after Taker has lost the streak, one year could have been Sting and Taker together teaming right. up. Right. Um, it would have been an interesting uh, an interesting one. Mm. So, so I think 2011, thumbs up or thumbs down, if Taker, uh, if uh, Sting made it to WWE, I think this is a thumbs up. I think he would have, I think it would have been successful. I think it would have been used properly. Mm. Um, would anybody have gotten screwed in terms of the primary universe? Uh, yeah. Maybe Christian. And even it, then, Christian never really got what he deserved. Like, he never got the real run like he was he was a storyline player sort of between edge and orton but he never really he might have lost that opportunity to to get a couple of you know to get a run with the belt but outside of that i'm not sure that anyone would really lose out well the interesting thing i'm going to disagree with you slightly the only thing i'm going to say is christian was a heel so Mm. he probably would have been in the spot as a matter of fact they probably could have used the TNA history between Christian and Sting because I'm pretty sure they wrestled, you know, together oh, when they were both yeah. in, in in TNA, you know, in the mm-hmm. mid in the mid to late 2000s. Probably Orton because Orton was the baby face that was eventually feuding with Mark Henry. Um, does Daniel Bryan get screwed because Daniel Bryan cashes in on Big Show after Big Show beats? Um, Mark Henry at I'm going to say Was it TLC 11? Yeah yeah. And then Daniel Bryan cashed in his money in the bank briefcase uh, but, but, but in all, in all reality I don't I, I don't think I ever see Sting having a long run I, I think he would have got maybe Six months at the most And maybe they do Maybe it's Mark Henry that beats him And, you, and you're back on track um, You're still going to get um, you'll still have Big Show, or, or you know, and Daniel Bryan is still gonna cash in the way he did. I, I don't think any of them would really lose out. I think, I think Sting's time at the top would probably not be very long. Let me ask you this next question: Do we wait a year on Roxena one? 
And at WrestleMania in Miami, do we have Rock Sting? That would be that would be an interesting match. That could yeah. that 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 would have been that would have been fantastic. Or maybe maybe after having Rock Cena the first time, instead of the build up to Rock Cena two, you know, once in a lifetime for the second time, right? Maybe the maybe the sequel is then Rock going. You know, I'm after you, you know, Sting. Maybe Sting wins at WrestleMania the night before and then it's Rock sort of going, you know, you stole my thunder. I'm I'm coming for you next year. And then you have a 12-month build-up with Rock and Sting. And, and it's not so much of an issue then because the title won't be on the line and Punk then, Punk might get his main event slot as well. Yeah. As a result. That's very interesting. So, so I was saying Rock Sting, then Rock Cena. You're saying do still do Rock Cena at 28 and do Rock Sting at 29 in MetLife. That's, That's right. True. Okay. Well, I'd love that because I was there. So <laughs> I would, I, I would, I would have had no problem with that at all. So you would have had Rock Sting. Now, the only switch up there is that we probably don't get Punk Taker. Unless unless uh, Punk gets this gets to break the streak, but that's another. Uh, we're going down another another <laughs> looking glass that we already we've, tried we've been to get that one before. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So all right, so there's our 2011. That's obviously the most. That's the most uh, well known uh, rumor sting rumor. And look, and look, while, yeah. while, before we move on to the other rumors, while we've been talking about would should Sting would Sting go over Taker in his first match, I think this is the time to ask: Should Sting have beaten Triple H in 2014, 2015? Sorry, should Sting have gone over and beaten Triple H in that first match back? I asked the biggest Triple H fan in the world. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Um, no, uh, the answer is yes. Sting should have won. Yes. Of course he should have won. I even know that. Come on, Dave. You know me long enough. Everybody's known me long enough. I I know I'm not that kind of a dipshit. (laughs) I'm not like some some guys that have their heads buried in the sand. I've never. Have I defended Triple H in positions where it's probably hard to? Yeah, from time to time. This case, no. Sting should have won. Sting should have won. Yeah, I agree. When I I was prepping, I, I, I read... I read some some stuff, and I think it was um, – I don't listen to all these podcasts, but I think it was one of Road Dog's um, podcasts that he does. Um, they were talking about this time period, and the, 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 belief, the attitude was the reason – apparently the reason Hunter went over was because they were hoping and wanting to build Hunter versus Rock the following year. And obviously that, that same night they had the, the, um, the, the moment with – Rock and Ronda. Um, Ronda Rousey and all that. And I'm like, look, I get that this idea of, oh, we want Triple H to go over because he's going to face Rock next year. And I, but to me, that doesn't cut it because Triple H, at this point, Triple H was untouchable. He, he had his spot. He was, he was, everyone knew who he was. He could lose to everyone and still be in a, in a match, make a match against The Rock work because they had history. They had legit history that everyone knows about. And the fact is, later in the night, you've got the Ronda Rousey incident. Everyone wouldn't, no one cared whether 
Hunter had beaten Sting or not. When they come out to that ring and have the he and Steph come out to the ring and have the interactions with 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 Rousey, no one would have cared what happened earlier in the night. You were you were you were marked and you were building. Um, yeah, Sting should have gone over. It's it's one of the biggest um, biggest bad decisions I think in WrestleMania history. I agree. I agree. No, of course I absolutely agree. At that point, I didn't care about. At that point, for me, I didn't care about Triple H wins and losses. I just wanted him to still put on great matches. I, I didn't care whether yeah. he won matches or lost matches at that point. Um, now, and what's, more, think, what's more ridiculous is is he loses, Sting loses to Triple H, and then his next match is a world title match against Seth Rollins. Well, how do you how do you warrant that? He didn't win. He hasn't won right. a match. How, how does he get a world title shot when he's never won in the company? It just it didn't it didn't fit storyline wise it just didn't fit. Yeah, it was just so it was crazy. It was crazy. Um uh yeah, I, I don't know. Now, if we're gonna talk about Triple H, he should have the match with Rob with Roman Reigns the following year should have been another twenty minutes. It should have been a forty eight minute match. At, no, I'm just kidding. Um no, it's <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um no. Um uh, but no, the answer is yes. Sting should have definitely won that match. I don't. It's, I don't know if that was supposed to be a promise to Vince to find to put the final dagger in the uh, in the Monday Night War. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Triple H promised that to Vince or if that was Vince just getting his last, you know, his uh, his final, you know, his final moment uh, uh, thing. Like I don't know. I, I just it just made it made no sense. It absolutely made it made zero sense. And um, uh. Uh, did it ruin Sting? Nah, not really. Uh, I thought, I thought, I thought the NWO coming out to help him made even less sense because, because oh. they beat the crap out of him and feuded with him throughout That's most it. of, uh, you know, throughout most of, uh, uh, 90, the 90, Night War. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was, he was the whole, the whole NWO was built around Sting being against them coming down from the rafters, building to that Hogan match. Like, the, the fact that Sting ended up joining the Wolfpack, I mean, the NWO was dead by that was just dragging stuff out. But Sting and the NWO, they were not, they were not really allies. So why bring him out? It just, it didn't make sense in any way. Mm. No, exactly, it didn't, it didn't. So uh, if, if we if we're gonna rebook it, Sting just goes over clean, no interference, no nothing. Sting goes over clean. He's got a a guaranteed build to his world title shot because he can say, I beat Hunter, I want a shot at the belt. And Hunter then comes out later in the night and bad mouths Ronda Rousey and rock like they did and you would start building to a match that never happened anyway. Right. So so there's our there's a, uh, our first scenario, the one most common. Uh, Dave, you are driving the, uh, the express here. What do we, where would you like to go next? Well, I think we're going to go back 10 years earlier than that. Uh, sorry, 20 years earlier than that. Even I, I found out something interesting in researching, uh, this, this month's episode. And that is, um, Sting, uh, uh Sting has been, has, has interviewed and, and said that, there, there have been other times where he considered going to WWE, and one of those times was in the early 90s because he, he spoke about the fact that 
he was in contract negotiations or renegotiations with Jim Hurd. And Sting was of the belief and the opinion that at that time he was worth what he referred to as Ric Flair money and Road Warrior money. So he was expecting a contract right at the top of the of the pay scale. And Correct. at that time probably well warranted. He was the the number one, he was the number one baby face, that certainly. And he talked about how he got lowballed by Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd wasn't giving him the contract that he hoped for. And so he was in, he ended into talks with WWE to go there and and possibly join them. Now, again, this is supported by the fact that on one of Bruce Pritchard's podcasts, he's talked about the fact that WWE were in talks with Sting, mm-hmm. but Vince McMahon didn't want to bring Vince didn't want to bring him in because Vince. Vince's attitude was, well, we've got Warrior. We've just He's just like Warrior. We've already got the ultimate Warrior. Why do I need another one? And so Vince was just, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Negotiations pretty well never went beyond that point. Mm-hmm. Sting ends up re-signing with WCW. So if we look at time periods, if we look at what we know, we know if Sting was negotiating at a time when Warrior was still there and Jim Herb was in, um, WCW, we're talking around about 1990 or 1991 because Jim Herb was gone in 92 and Bill Watts took over. So, and I don't think it was unlikely that he would have been negotiating in 1990 because he was made world champion at that point. And so it's probably after that world title run that he would have thought, I'm entitled to a bigger contract. I'm I'm that man now. And, and it would have been warranted. So, I think we're probably looking at around about 1991. Uh, so the question has to be, what might have happened if Sting had signed with WWE in 91? How could he have been brought in? What storylines might have made sense at the time? Now, I think that if he was going to if he was going to sign with WWE, I don't think when you, when you look at what was happening in sort of that late 1990 into 1991, I don't think he would have been coming in any time before WrestleMania. They had all their storylines built. You had Hogan and Slaughter. You had um, uh, Warrior versus Savage. I think it, it doesn't go from there. What I think might have been an interesting way to bring Sting in would have been if Warrior – they, they started the storyline with Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker. And Warrior was that, that whole, I'm not afraid of the dark, and, and, and Jake training him and trying to help him overcome the fear. And then, of course, it's Jake working with The Undertaker against The Ultimate Warrior. And we know that that was supposed to be what was going to happen moving forward after SummerSlam when Warrior gets himself fired at, at, at SummerSlam. I really wonder what it might have been like if if Ultimate Warrior was looking to, you know, after he gets turned on by Jake, if maybe he turned to an old friend to come and help him in, in his war with Jake the Snake and The Undertaker. I wonder what it might have looked like. I think one of the best ways to bring Sting in would have been to team up with, initially team up with Warrior and support him against Jake and The Undertaker, which then would allow Sting to maybe siphon off one or the other and, and, and enter into a, into a few maybe with, with, with Taker or, or with Jake, either one. Um, essentially, I guess, Sting would almost take the spot of Randy Savage. Um, 
and and Randy Savage may not have come back as soon as he did because I always felt Randy Savage's comeback was because Warrior got fired and they needed to plug the hole. Um, so yeah, I wonder if that might have been the way to bring him back because '91 is an interesting year because you got Flair coming in and you got Sid coming in as well. So it becomes how would you juggle the all these guys coming in from WCW? I think I think you link Sting to the Warrior. Um, you maybe fast track the Jake turn a little bit earlier, and then maybe you've got Sting becoming the teammate of Warrior at, a, at maybe a SummerSlam match against Jake and the Undertaker, and and you start to build from there, and then maybe maybe Hogan has a a, a Desert Storm rematch with Slaughter as 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 a world title match at SummerSlam, and do that match that they've been doing across across the country and getting you know some really good matches out of it. That's what I'm wondering. Maybe that's how, what. What do you think? How would how would maybe you have brought Sting in in 1991? Well, I like the your Jake thing is pretty cool. I like that thinking. Um, I'm going to assume, and I don't. I'm, I I got to look back at. I, I might have to after we do this episode. I might have to go back to our Warrior episode and think about what I thought when I thought that he was starting to get on Vince's nerves, um, because. It's pretty much, you know, by SummerSlam 91, obviously that night, Vince is done with this guy's bullshit and he's gone. I'm going to take it a step further. And I think that Sting becomes the third partner for Warrior and Hogan. So we get an actual six-man tag at yep. SummerSlam with with Slaughter, Adnan, and and Mustafa against Hogan, Warrior, and Sting. Ooh. Do we de- do you debut him at SummerSlam? No, because you wanna you wanna build that up. Yeah. Um. You know, you wanna announce it, and then and you wanna announce it, and then uh uh get more buys. Mm. Um, then Warrior's gone. We'll, we'll, we'll do it for this specific looking glass. We'll, we'll just assume like the prime universe that, that, that Warrior is a colossal pain in the ass and Vince says, hit the bricks. So now you've just supplanted one, uh, you know, baby face, face paint guy with another, but one that's more willing to play ball. That's a better company guy. Better in ring worker. What a veteran, and then you've got Flair coming in, and Sting there makes Flair more comfortable. Sid oh, yeah. probably gets along with Sting, and now mm. suddenly you may have some uh, some symmetry in that main event. And guess what? You know who I? <laughs> you know it's crazy. You know who kind of feels like the odd man out? Hogan. Yeah. You don't get the. I don't think you get the taker back and forth, but now Hogan's sitting here. And now suddenly Vince has all these shiny new toys from the other promotion because 1991 WCW was a, was a disaster with a pizza hut guy calling the shots. Um, That's a mess. So what a Royal rumble. Well, that rumble's already great, but let me, let me take it a step further. Okay. 
Flair, Flair wins Rumble 92. I, I don't think there's any doubt. From the moment Flair came, they were going to put the title on him. And I think Rumble right. 92 happens regardless. I think the Undertaker back and forth is all about getting the belt on Flair. But if you've got Sting in the company, can you imagine Sting and Flair at WrestleMania? Can you imagine bringing those two together and, and basically getting guys behind the scenes saying, go out there and top what you guys did at Clash of Champions. Go out there and top what you guys have done before. Go and put on a clinic and 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 make each other look great. Can you imagine how good that – because they've got a couple of years more experience under them and with the backing and the push that, that Vince can put on, they can come up with their own story as they would. But I – can you imagine still? I, I just think it would be a great spectacle. I mean, we've talked before about Hogan and, and Flair at WrestleMania 7, but if Sting was in the company and you've put the belt on Flair, can you imagine the sort of matches you could have with Vince, Vince's promotional machine behind them, um, yeah. putting those two together in the ring at WrestleMania? Would I think it would just be poetry in motion. Oh, there's any doubt. Um, you could have Savage somewhere else. Uh, well, what I would do is, and we talked about this when we were rebooking that whole situation on a past episode, any way that you could extend the Savage Jake storyline mm. to where, cause at the time, no one cared who Taker wrestled at the time, at the time, nobody cared. You could have stuck Taker with anybody, you know, DiBiase or something. Nobody cares. Um, I would have very easily extended the Jake Savage feud all the way to WrestleMania 8, and that's where you have Savage wrestle. Mm. Savage Jake, you still do Hogan Sid, but you do Hogan Sid in the middle. Yeah. And you end the show with Flair Sting. And everyone's like, oh, why would you end, why would you have two w NWA guys at the end of your WrestleMania? I'll tell you why. Because at that moment, Vince could tell Jim Hurd, hey, dipshit. Mm. Guess what you blew? Right here. Good luck. Good luck with the rest. Now, fortunately, by that point, Jim Hurd was gone. Bill Watts came in, and 1992 was actually not a bad year for WCW. But this is WCW finally, you know, this WCW saying, uh, saying, oh, crap. Uh, hmm. uh, you know, we really screwed this up. Um, and then you have to ask yourself the question, if, if, if Sting was there and Sting, let's say Sting goes over and beats Flair at um, at WrestleMania, does Sid leave the company so quickly? Does Sid, because can you imagine Sid and Sting then in WWF in, in 1992 battling it out? Like you said, Sid was probably comfortable with Sting. They'd faced off before. I'm, I'm just picturing the possibilities of Sting in the company at the time. Maybe Sting meets Randy Savage at SummerSlam in England um, as, as that babyface, babyface thing as preparation to put the belt back onto, onto, uh, onto Flair. Like, you can just see, you can run, some of the storylines they run can still run it with, with, with a Sting element to them, and yet it opens up different op opportunities and different options. Mm, I, absolutely. And... Then you're talking, you know, Sting, Sid, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, don't forget, you got Brett, you got Piper. How about Sting Piper? 
I mean, both baby faces, but I, I, I think I think when, when, we, when we've always talked about looking through the when we go through these these rabbit holes and we talk about well how we see what how it might have affected if 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 Sting was there, I think the one person who probably would have been negatively affected would have been Bret Hart. Yeah, probably that his his push would have been would have been delayed, and that might have not been a bad thing because if we have Sting into 1993 then maybe we don't get the Hogan bullshit at WrestleMania 9. And now WrestleMania 9, suddenly you have Yoko Sting uh, and now Savage. You know, it, th- things might be very different in 1993. You know, I don't know about yeah. the whole, I don't know if there's a difference involved in the steroids and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how that, obviously Sting doesn't get affected because he wasn't there in the 80s. Uh, I mean, maybe he took them when he was in WCW, but I doubt it. But um, the thing about Sting is, while he was a strong guy, he never came. He never looked like he was a, a steroid user. Now, I'm, I'm sure he probably did use them mm-hmm. at times. A lot of guys did, but he didn't have the physique of your Hogan's and your Warriors. He was strong. He was he was stronger and more muscly than a Flair or a Bret Hart, but he didn't have the overblown muscles of your Warrior and Hogan. So Sting, he may have almost been the perfect person to have in the middle of the steroid scandal because he looks, he still looks big and strong and yet he doesn't look like a steroid user. Right. Right. Now we have to say, we have to, we have to flip the, we have to look at the other side of the coin, uh, Dave. Um, so let's, let's ask this question. If, this did happen, and Sting is in the WWF in 1991, 1992, until for whenever. Who's the babyface in 1992 WCW that feuds with Vader? Well, I, the question would have to be argued: Would they've even turned Lex Luger baby for uh, heel in '91? Would they, with with Sting's left the company in '91, do they keep Luger as their babyface of the promotion, and do they put? everything behind Luger and do they have Luger run run as the top guy as a top baby face not just through 91 but then you know resign him and keep him in 92 93 hmm sure probably probably you're probably right it'd probably be Luger and Luger and Sting uh Luger and Vader yeah oh god those or, matches Ugh. or or as I said, if the one person I see losing in WWF is Bret Hart, does Bret sign? Does Bret go to WCW? Oh. And does he become the guy that has the amazing feud with Vader? Why do I feel like uh, why do I feel like Dave? We just opened up another episode. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to that one. We have to tackle another month. Bret Hart leaving WWF and seeing what happened. That would be because there were a lot of rumors he was supposed to leave in night. Remember? Yeah. January, was, January, 90, 90, uh, January, 92, 92. Was, yeah. Yeah. He had the infamous hundred and something degree fever that, mm. that, 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 you know, where he was supposed to lose the, uh, that's why he lost the IC belt to the Mountie. Uh, and they made up the, 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 the flu and Lowell or whatever the have pneumonia or whatever the heck he had. And then it led to Piper, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, he might be the I agree with you 100%. What would Now, Brett might not be the only one that leaves. Because with all these main event guys and baby faces and heels, what happens to Sean? Yeah. 
So I think we, boy, this, this, <laughs> this bowl of wax got quite large. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll worry about the WCW half of it on another episode. Cause, cause I, that could, that could get kind of crazy, but uh, I think sting in WWF, how long would he last? Uh, I'll be honest. He probably, he probably stays till. Depends on how long the contract is. If if he's the company man that everyone says he is, and if Vince was to get behind him, if we got the sort of stuff that we've talked about here where where Vince pushes him and and Vince gets behind him, Vince sees that he's better than Warrior because he's not going to be a a troublemaker. I I, I see him having a run like – I see him like Taker. He becomes a lifer. I could see it happening if 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 they got behind him because then then he becomes one of Vince's guys, and um and 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 runs with Vince the whole time. Yeah, because I could see Sting when 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 the company financially is in a little bit of peril in ninety you know ninety five ninety four ninety five ninety six. I could definitely see Sting as the kind of guy to be like, listen, let's restructure my deal. I'll help you out. I want to I want to make this good, right. Uh, I'll work with you. Defer me. We'll work it out. Don't worry about it. We need to we need to build this company. And you know, this this is a ripple effect. We we may have to really talk about this because with Sting gone, Luger doesn't leave. Luger probably doesn't leave in ninety two. Hmm. And then has the one year in the WBF or whatever. Because if Luger leaves as well, then WCW might have shut, might, might as well have shut the oh, door. Oh, they, uh, they would have been, yeah. They, they might as well have shut the door. That wasn't going to yeah. happen. I think if Sting left, I think Luger doesn't leave. That's right. I think Luger, I think... sta- Luger stays in WCW. Because, because they make him the, the number one guy. With Flair gone, Sting gone, and Sid gone, there's no one to rival him. They, they would do everything and bend over backwards to keep him because he would be all they had left. Right. Um, yeah, th- that's that's exactly what they do. And it's an interesting question of how long that lasts. Um, the 90s could be very different. You know, who knows the elevation of Sean, the elevation of you have Razor there. Maybe we don't get a... a you know, maybe Razor Ramon doesn't leave or Diamond Stud doesn't leave and he's elevated. Um, you know, Sting not being in WCW in the early 90s really does change the landscape of both companies in many ways. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, again, um, we may be talking about that at a future episode, Dave, where we talk about guys like Brett and Sean. Do they leave? Does, does Scott Hall stay? Does Kevin Nash stay? Uh, in WCW, you know, does he, because here's the thing. If you remember, Eric Bischoff was not the biggest Lex Luger fan. So when he becomes the head of, you know, when he becomes VP in 93 and they talk about the build and they get Hogan and all that, and they get to, they get to, uh, to, um, Nitro in 95, but he doesn't have sting, but he's stuck with Luger clearly. Bischoff is looking to get other guys. And in that moment, 
perhaps mm. we're not talking about Duggan and Beefcake and fucking Honky Tonk Man and all these other dregs that all of Hogan's useless cronies. Yeah. And instead, Bischoff starts to cherry pick the Bret Hart's, the Shawn Michaels, those guys, because, you know, Vince eventually can't pay for everybody. And those guys yeah. eventually want to get through the glass ceiling. So in something that would be reminiscent, you know, seven or eight years later with with Benoit and Eddie and, you know, and uh, Perry and Dean. Mm. Now, in 1992, you're thinking guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and all them, they now don't get their shots because Sting is there. And if Luger does end up leaving because Bischoff can't stand him, there's a huge hole in WCW where they need to grow t young talent. And I think, yeah. I do think that, uh, that I can't believe we went down this hole. Uh, that, <laughs> that Bischoff, uh, may need to rebuild WCW. Uh, if all these guys are going to the WWF, having said that Vince, Vince remember the, the company was changing in 93 for Vin, in Vince. So I don't know if Vince, we're sitting here saying all these guys would have been there. I don't know if Vince could have afforded all of these guys. That's right. You know, Sting, yeah. Sting might have been nice enough to structure it, restructure his deal. I don't know what any of those other guys would have. I'm sure yes. Hulk Hogan would have been like, uh, no. Um, so it's very interesting because unlike the other scenarios we're going to discuss this evening involving Sting, this is the one where the ripple effect goes both ways. Mm. Uh, well, the, our other example later in this decade may also do it, but I, I don't think it's as bad as here. I yes. think, it's, I think uh, again, Dave, I, I'm, I'm uh, you're you continue, you know, I would love to continue to hear your thoughts on this as well in terms of the roster, because this is the biggest ripple effect moment of the ones we discussed tonight involving Sting leaving. Sting goes to WWF in 1991, and you're talking about a completely different landscape, I think, in both companies in w, WWF and in WCW, because, uh, you know, uh, things get moved. And I, I think I think you talk. I, I think you would legitimately be talking about whether or not WCW went out of business because I think if they'd lost Flair and Sting in a, within a couple of months of each other, I I don't know that they would have recovered. Like the you know the genuine talk is the only reason they survived as long as they did was that Turner had you know Turner had the love for the company and and no matter how much money they lost, he wasn't getting rid of them because of the ratings that they brought him to, to TBS. But if Sting wasn't there as well, and he's really got, you know, and, and I mean, if we just take what, you know, like I said, whether Luger was to stay or not, you, you're talking about a situation where they just may not have had the star power to keep the company going. Right. They may have, they may have actually gone under completely. Uh, it, it really seems to be in that 92, 93 time period. If, it's Sting who holds WCW together almost. And without right. him, they might have folded. And we might have been talking about some other company having to rise up and, and build afresh. Well, I mean, obviously, still by 93, ECW was still growing. And I think that, I think that still would have happened. So maybe ECW becomes the number two. The problem there is, is Paul Heyman needed money, and he didn't have yeah. the money that uh, he didn't have the money WCW had. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's 
very interesting. That that's a that's a, even more so. It's isn't it amazing? Even more so than Flair, uh, leaving for the WWF. Like Flair leaving was like all right, Flair left, but Hogan, but uh, Sting leaving for the WWF, and suddenly, this is a ridiculous ripple effect and and turn of events between WWF and WCW if Sting leaves. Flair left, and it's like, all right, Flair left. Sting leaves, and suddenly we're putting companies out of business. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> but isn't that crazy? It's, it's, it's wild. You know? So we may have to, uh, you know, because Brett, the Brett one is interesting, and that, you know, maybe Dave, when we have, uh, when we, when we chat uh, in our production meetings, uh, that that may be a future episode topic. What about Bret Hart in reverse? Because if yeah. there was an equivalent of rumored rumored to leave, the number two one behind Sting leaving for W for WWF is Bret Hart leaving for WCW. Obviously, the difference there is it actually Herb, happened. Herb had him go, Herb had him going every other month, didn't he? I know, right? Every time we do the note, uh, we do uh, we fire up a little Herb. On the Place Me podcast, Jr. seems to say Herb seems to say that Brett's leaving for WCW like every other week for about two years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he was leaving in '88. He was leaving in '90. He was leaving in '93. It was like every like two and a half years, uh, Brett's supposedly pissed off and is leaving for WCW. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So anyway, there's your there's a scenario that kind of popped out of nowhere. And but but interestingly, interestingly. Uh, we are in a unusual uh, rabbit hole um, of what happens to both companies if Sting leaves for the WWF in 1991. That's just bo- that's batshit. What happens there? It really does. Uh, any final thoughts on this scenario, Dave? Uh, I'm, I'm 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 picking myself up off the floor after that one. I just I, 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 I can't believe just, I can't it's believe just, it's nuts crazy. how far we went down. It's amazing yeah. how far we went down. With a with a scenario that you, <coughs> excuse me, when you were doing your your our research and you just found that pretty much out of air, that yeah. room, and holy crap, how screwed up that would have been, uh, had that happened, what would have? I mean, that would have been crazy. Fl- Rick Flair, Rick Flair, left for the WWF in real life in 1991, and everything was fine. We hypothetically have Sting leaving for the WWF in 1991, and suddenly, shit's all on fire. It's, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, what do we have next? All right, well, look, we, we found ourselves in the mid-'90s. So, so let, let's have a look at another rumor, and you were mentioning, you were mentioning a, a pretty persistent rumor that was happening in the mid-'90s. So why didn't you share that one? All right, so it was a pretty – it was discussed heavily. And I remember it in the mags. And it was it was uh it was discussed that that Sting was gonna was was going to leave WCW and come to the WWF in 1996. Uh, this was another rumor that was discussed often, um, and eventually, of course, as he always did, Sting did the right thing and stayed with WCW, which was good. Which in this instance was good for him. Uh now. 1996, of course, is one of the most uh, important years, epic, game-changing years in the history of pro wrestling. Almost as much as 1997 would be, 
1997 is a seminal year in the history of wrestling. But 1996 is a year no, where it, where everything the, seems to change. What's it's the date? foundation. It's it's the foundation for what happens in 97. All the all the progress that that the, you talk about 97 being that sort of it's it's a big year, but everything that happened there had its basis in in what happened in 96. Both companies had ma- massive changes happening in 96 that that shaped the future of the companies for the next four or five years. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Monday Night War ratchets up in 1996, mm-hmm. obviously with the birth of the NWO and, and such. Uh, but if Sting leaves, Sting leaves and signs with the World Wrestling Federation in 1996, here's the thing. Uh, before we even put Sting on television, this is the one year where money is probably the this is we have four scenarios we're discussing tonight. This is probably the one scenario where money might be the issue and nothing else, because obviously in 1996, WWF is not in the great straits it was in in the 80s or as they would be in the by the you know early to mid 2000s. 1996, WWF is kind of walking a fiscal tightrope. Um, so. It, it's not a question in 1996 of whether or not they can do the right things with Sting. The question is, can they afford Sting? Mm. That's the that's the interesting thing, because Sting shouldn't have to come. Che- it's one thing, Dave, when we were just talking about the 1991 scenario. It's one thing if he's already in the company and says, uh, you know, I'll, I'll structure my contract. I'll help you out. It's another thing where you're trying to get him as a free agent and Vince goes, uh, it's the best I could do. I might have to, uh, you know, I'm not lowballing you. I'm only giving you the best offer I possibly can. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, with, so, and with that, with that, you know, like you said, money being the thing, even if they're paying him, whatever they're paying him, it's still going to be at, for, for WWF at the time, it's probably going to have to be one of their more expensive contracts. No matter whether it's a lower contract than maybe he might like, what Sting might have wanted or whatever, if he right. was to come in, it's still going to be a contract that is going to be at the top end of the contracts that Vince has got going. I mean, there's not going to be many guys he's going to have on more money at that time. He just might not be able to give him as much money as maybe Sting would want. But then that raises the question: If you're bringing him in on a on a high contract from a WWF perspective, then how how are you going to use him? Can you can you do anything other than make him your top guy, one of your top guys, if you're going to be paying him one of your higher contracts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a slippery slope. So. That might have been one of the main reasons why the 1996 scenario doesn't happen. Not for creative reasons, but for fiscal reasons. Uh, because obviously the, the big albatross in 1996 is Brett. Not albatross. Mm. Uh, the other, uh, the other scenario, how do I word it? The other, the other, the other talent situation that, that Vince has to figure out is, is, is Brett. I yeah. got to tell you, if if he wants Sting, 
unlike unlike our 1991 scenario where Vince is kind of flush with cash and can and can do this, 1996 he's not. So I think if he signs Sting, Brett's gone. If he signs Sting, Bret Hart's the third man. Yeah, that that's yeah. absolutely true. I th- I don't think there's any doubt that that's what I I, I agree. I, I think if you know he he just he, he can't juggle everyone and um the I mean we already know that the 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 Bret Hart contract put him into a difficult put Vince into a difficult position one that he wasn't able to. He felt he wasn't going to be able to honor. Twelve months later, he wasn't able to honor the contract in his mind. And you know, and when we talked in our Bret Hart episode, like you know, and twelve months after that, they were flush with cash and probably would have could have paid twice as much as they were paying him. But they didn't know where that was going. In '96, they bring Sting in. Bret Hart wouldn't be staying. And and I guess yeah. And and there there lies. Is is that where we see the Sting come in, essentially playing the Bret Hart role? The Sting come in into that position where maybe he debuts. Yeah, maybe he's battling Stone Cold, um, fresh off his off his King of the Ring thing. Maybe he's going very quickly into title matches against Sid and against Shawn Michaels, and 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 he's he's in that 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 belt bouncing around time period that um that happened in in late 96 early 97 but is it is it as simple as that does sting just come in and essentially replace bret hart position on the card yeah not necessarily exact storylines but certainly most likely opponents is is that what we're looking at sting versus stone cold yeah, is that is that how you is that how he gets introduced? Is does he essentially just replace Bret Hart in the company, and 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 take that spot as as on on the roster? Um, because I, I can't I can't see much else happening. I mean, if if he if he comes in earlier in the year. Oh, I mean, I'm assuming that the whole Sting leaving would probably be timed around the arrival of Nash and Hall and the NWO and whether or not Sting fits into that storyline. That that that's the only thing I could think of in terms of like when he come. Like even if he was to come earlier in the year, like Shawn Michaels is has been built up to take on the title, so. If he comes in around WrestleMania, uh-huh. there's not a lot. I can't. Where do you fit him in? Like, if he comes in at WrestleMania, well, Brett and Sean are wrestling for the title. Uh-huh. Taker, Taker is in his. You know, I mean, Taker's doing Taker's wrestling Diesel, and and they've got their thing going. Where does Sting? Sting, I don't see a fit for Sting before WrestleMania. So you bring him in after WrestleMania. Well. Again, you've just put the title on Sean. Sean's going to be running with the belt for a while. Is he? Does he become? Does he take the role of warrior? Does he? Does he become the allies with Sean in the battle against Camp Cornette, and then yes. maybe, yes. maybe battling Stone Cold Steve Austin and for a shot at the title, and you know, being the, yeah, and moving into that that extra that that accessory role almost. Yeah, and. And 
I, I could definitely see that. And then maybe you don't see Sid come back. Sid doesn't come back. And uh and eventually maybe Sting wins the world title at the end of ninety-six and then into ninety-seven, you know, Sean, you know, and this may lead to because don't forget at the time, Sean was, you know, Mr. Asshole. So mm-hmm. Brett's gone, but now all of a sudden Sean's got to deal with and unlike Brett, who Sean considered his equal, so he thought he had, you know, he thought he could, you know, dick Sean around because they were equals or and Sean thought he maybe was superior. In the case of Sting, Sean knows he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Sting is, Sting's already a stud at this point. And, and, uh, uh, Sean can't, had to, when it comes to, to status, Sean doesn't have a leg to stand on when it comes to that, in my opinion, at that time. So you you still have a major spot at the top of the card in 96. You don't have Brett now, but you've got Sean, Sting, Sid, Vader. How about this? Now because in, in this universe, Dave, the the, the Sting Vader stuff did happen in 92. Now you got Vader here, and now you could have Sting and Vader feuding. Now, it may not necessarily have to be for the title. And then Stone Cold is probably the one. Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's a really awkward situation. Like, it really I, is. I, and, and I wonder, I wonder if, if you bring Sting in, does he suffer from the politicking that Michaels did like we know that Vader never got probably what he the run he should have had in WWE because of Sean, Sean's politics, Sean's the way he worked with Vince and all that. Vader suffered. Does the same thing happen to Sting? Does the Sean is Sean politicking and and pointing stuff out and and Sting is is fighting an uphill battle not because he doesn't have the talent but because Sean is the the backstage. You know, manipulator. Sean, no. this is the, this is the peak of the. You got to remember, this is the peak of the click. This is Sean throwing tantrums in the ring because Vader wasn't in the right spot, and no one does anything about it. Right. This is this is Sean. This is Sean. You know, doing what he wants when he wants, and you know, it, and and then you know when he doesn't get it, picking up his ball, losing his smile, and going home, and and Vince bending over backwards to. Get him back as quick as he can. I I, I find it difficult for, for Sting to. I, I find it difficult for Sting to ever going to get any real momentum in the company because if he comes in, like we said at the time period, if he comes in and he's sort of allied with with Sean, he might be whether he comes in a, instead of Sid or he comes in instead of um, Warrior. He's got that role, and you, you've got he, he's still working alongside Sean. He can be wrestling other guys. You're still going to get Stone Cold get hit. I, I think that that's going to happen because unless you put Sting as King of the Ring, and I don't think they would, then Austin Austin comes through. Austin's right. still going to still going to break out, and and the momentum his momentum was so unique. Once that Austin three sixteen happened, it was never going to be stopped. Maybe, but 
maybe let me stop you for a minute because I, I want before I lose this out of my head, I want to I want to get to that point about Stone Cold. What if Stone Cold then maybe starts a feud with Taker? Now, by the end of 96, Taker's feud with Mankind is pretty much pooped out. Taker, uh, Mankind's starting to get some face pops a little bit, and he's starting to, you know, maybe you'd start turning him babyface a little earlier. Um, and Sting, first off, your answer, does, does, does Sting put up with Sean's crap? No. No. Because Sean is going to, Sean's going to be intimidated by Sting because Sting is a stud. In Sean's eyes, Brett was his equal or inferior. But Sting, he can't, he wouldn't been able to pull that crap off with Sting. So it wouldn't surprise me if Vince told, if Vince was like, you know what, Sean, fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, because I just can't see, you know, Brett, Brett, things were changing with Brett in 96 within the company. And there was, you know, the issues with Sean and him were almost equal. Whereas in the case of Sting, I don't think Sean's got the teeth to get in Sting's face. Cause Sting, look, dude, I've been in this, I've been in this business a hell of a lot longer than you. Okay. I've been a main eventer. I've been a world champion and I'm not going to sit here and listen to your bullshit. I'm not. So I don't know. I don't know. Sting is a different beast than Brett when you're dealing with Sean at the back end of 96. And I'll tell you something. Uh, Sean throws a temper tantrum in a Sting match. Sting drops him. <laughs> so, you know, Mick did. Mick didn't put up with his crap at, at, at Mind Games. Vader okay. was just, Vader, Vader just seemed, at SummerSlam, Vader just seemed confused. <laughs> I don't know. I think he just seemed confused. But at Mind Games, you remember, Mick didn't put up with Sean's crap. And I think the situation is exactly the same with Sting. I think if there's a match and Sting and Sean throws a temper tantrum, I think Sting drops them. And then they'll have their own issues backstage after. Yeah. You know. And Sting and, Sting, and, and, and Sean still ends up taking his smile and going, and going home. Forward. And he may not yeah. come back. He may not. He may not. You but know? I think, you know, and, and, and maybe, maybe – the top of the card is a little bit more stable. Maybe they don't bounce the title around as much. Maybe Sting gets a little bit of a run with it, and then maybe Sting drops it to to Taker at WrestleMania. Sure. Or or maybe Sting's in a maybe Sting's in a uh, in a submission match with with Steve Austin. But I don't see Sting turn, being turned heel the way that Bret Hart did because that was a fan reaction as well. I think. Right. Exactly. I, so it creates it creates all sorts of all sorts of things. The one thing I am worried about though is I I, I feel that timing wise, Vince may not have got as behind Sting as we might like. And and you, you mentioned, I mean, imagine he's there with Vader putting on a match with Vader. But but Foley talks in his books about how he pitched wrestling against Vader at WrestleMania basically building on their history and how they can have this great match and how he can make Vader Vader again and then it never it never really came to fruition because Vince didn't want to get behind it mm-hmm. um I, I could see the same thing happening with Sting I could see I could see Sting 
getting a run with the belt, maybe getting, you know, because he's they're, they're going to be paying him. But in the end, I think Sting makes way for Shawn Michaels, uh, for for um, Steve Austin. Sting is going to be the one that, yeah, you know, maybe it's a Sting and Austin feud, and maybe they're out. They are able to turn Sting heel. Who knows? Maybe we get the development of a Crow type character, and Sting adapts, and maybe Sting has some matches with Taker. But I think, I think in the end, Sting is probably not going to be used the way he would want. And I think his contract expires and he goes running back to WCW. Entirely possible. He may not like, he may still think the landscape, he may go to Vince and say, this guy's going to, you know, I've been in this business a long time, Vince. This guy's going to ruin your company. Meaning Sean, Mm. this bullshit can't happen. You're the boss of this company, not him. Act like it. You know? Um, to the other side of the coin, and we will we won't go too deep in these weeds because we'll get more into this if we do our Brett show. Without Sting, who is the guy that goes up against the NWO? And I have that answer very easily, and I think I think you'll agree with me. DDP. Yeah. I think he gets elevated earlier than than. He was kind of getting put over anyway as a face in 97, but Sting was just higher on the card. But I think you elevate DDP, and I think Bischoff does a good job with that. And maybe you have DDP and Hogan at Starcade 97, and maybe things are a little different. I don't know. But I don't know that, I don't know that DDP would have – I don't know that would have had the same impact. I, I agree with you. I think DDP becomes the natural um, – the natural – uh, guy that the fans are turning to, but I don't know if they would put him over Hogan. I think you, you really are then waiting for Goldberg to to right. really rise up. I think Hogan Hogan just carries it through and he probably faces DDP, probably beats DDP, and then it's the rise of Goldberg and 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 then it, it you know becomes the Goldberg show. Now did. now. We can also say this though, without with if Brett's already in if Brett is already in yep. WCW, Montreal never happens, and no, Starcade and, and, and Starcade ninety seven doesn't have that kind of gravitas that it had in the Prime Universe. So, but if Brett if Brett goes to WCW earlier in the year, if he goes in ninety six, if he signs in ninety six, Right from the start, maybe maybe he doesn't join the NWA. Maybe he comes in as almost the bidding war. Like the NWA want him, WCW wants him, and he, and he and he's almost in that same position as Sting. But he doesn't sit in the rafters. He obviously makes the call earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and then maybe you build up, and maybe maybe Starcade '97 is 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 Bret Hart versus Hogan, as the the Bret Hart's finally reached the top of, of yeah. WCW. And Vin, and Brett could say things like, you ducked me in 93. You you made up excuses. You made up, you know, you you were scared of me. So you pulled your usual crap and ducked me because I cannot wrestle you because you're terrible. You mm-hmm. know, like that kind of thing. Brett yeah, could be very... You went running from the company in 93 because you didn't want to face me. I arrived here, you went running to the NWO and you didn't want to face me. And now you've got no choice. You have to face me. Yep. 
You know that I cannot wrestle you. Everyone in this company knows you suck, and I'm going to prove it in Washington, D.C. at Starcade. I'm going to out-wrestle you. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to break you, and I'm going to be the WCW heavyweight champion. I'm going to save this company, and you are going to be a failure. So it's it, it's it could happen. It could yeah. happen. But I have a you said something a few moments ago that actually that actually uh, I'm thinking about, and that is there's even a chance that Sting goes to Vince and says, "I, I this place sucks. I'm going back to WCW. This place sucks." Yeah. This place is a mess. Uh, Sean's, if this guy is your main event guy and he's sitting here causing havoc in this company because he's a big spoiled brat, fuck him. And, you know, Sting may just tell Sean, you're a piece of crap and know nothing about wrestling and and you're going to destroy this company. I hope you're happy. And Sting goes back to WCW. And it may, it may be, it may be a change in the Monday Night War at that point, you know? So there's a lot of variables, uh, Dave, a lot of variables in that in those two scenarios because not only do we have to talk about the WWF with Sting we're talking about WCW without Sting and if the landscape in the WWF in 96 97 even without the Brett Sean drama is still a mess because Brett because Sean was just finding drama everywhere he went um Sting may be like you know what to hell with this place if Vince, if you're Vince if you're this guy's running your company not you I'm done and who knows what Sting does? Sting may just take time off. You know? Sting may take time off. He may not go back to WCW. Maybe he goes, yeah. holy crap, maybe he goes to, maybe Paul Heyman goes to him and says, want to have a little fun? Oh. So, who knows? An extreme Sting. Extreme Sting. Sting, the clean-cut guy, getting a lap dance from Come On and Wanalea. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Sting, uh, Sting, Sting's, Sting's there instead of Tommy Dreamer with Kamana Wanalea and uh, McBeulah and says, I'll take them both. <laughs> <It's like that>. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, that would be, <laughs> be, totally, be totally ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anyway, I, I think, uh, I, well, the one thing, I, again, tonight, Dave, the reason I love, this is one of the reasons I love doing this show with you is because I think this is like the fourth time since we've done this show that we have found future show topics from a current topic <laughs> because, because now we're talking about, I think Bret Hart is the one most affected in all of these sting scenarios. And I think that's a great episode on how to f- flip the script. And if Brett goes to WCW, uh, Brett goes to WCW in 91, as was the rumor, or Brett goes to WCW, not in 97 after Montreal, but goes in 96 after mm-hmm. losing to Sean at WrestleMania 12. So we just found ourselves a new episode. So there's mm-hmm. your, so there's, there's our take at 1996, 97. It's a very broad brush. Uh, they could go a lot of different ways with it. A lot of different ways. And, um, we may be wrong. I mean, it could be anything could happen. But then again, since it didn't happen, uh, you know, since it didn't happen, uh, we could speculate all we want. So the last one, Dave, uh, the last scenario is a wonky one. Uh, it's fascinating, but very wonky. Um, mm. Go ahead and, and set the table. 
So again, in the in the research, I uh, I discovered um, Sting, Steve Borden, doing an interview where he actually talked about um, the fact that he was offered a contract in 2003 by WWE. WWE were chasing him in 2003 to come to the company and a feud with Stone Cold. Now, the only thing that I can think of is time period-wise, that would have to be a build-up to WrestleMania 19, and right. have and have and have Sting face Austin rather than The Rock, uh, because because post post WrestleMania, as we all know, Austin retires. Austin Austin um, le- uh, gives it away uh, due to the the build-up of the injuries and 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 various things that have been going on in his life at that time. So, I this one this was the one that caught me out. I I had never heard this one before i'd never been aware of this room i know there was always talk and hope that sort of maybe he'd come in the invasion or maybe he'd come sort of in that post invasion 2002 time period but i'd never heard this idea that he was offered a contract in 2003 and so it got me thinking what might it have looked like like how how do you do that if you if you're going to bring sting in to feud with Stone Cold, how do you do that? And right. and I was thinking, I was looking at the time period. So we've got to take Rock, Rock and Austin aren't going to make. Rock can Hollywood Rock can still be in the company. Hollywood Rock can do all sorts of things. He was a mate, and you don't want to lose Hollywood Rock. So Rock can Rock can be facing someone, anyone. It doesn't matter who. He right. would make it work. Right. If we look at if we look at Austin. That that early that early O three, this was the whole time period of the storyline that built up just before The Rock was Bischoff having been threatened by Vince, and so Bischoff is trying to re-sign Stone Cold, and then you have that karate fight thing happen at, at No Way Out. Uh, you know, sort of well the the Bischoff the Bischoff Austin encounter it wasn't really um i think they i think it was technically billed as a match but it was nothing more than eric bischoff getting tossed around for a couple of minutes correct so i was thinking to myself well if you were going to bring sting in i think the way to bring him in would have been as uh i think the most appropriate way to bring him in would have been to bring him in as an ally some form of ally to eric bischoff but Sting is a babyface. Sting has always been best as a babyface. So I, I see it as maybe the unwilling ally. What I'm picturing maybe is that at No Way Out, Austin turns up to face to face uh, Bischoff, and maybe we don't have maybe he just turns up, and and during the course of No Way Out, it gets revealed that Bischoff has not only signed Austin back, but he has signed Sting to the company. And Sting appears. Maybe he appears on the rampway. Maybe he appears in the ring. Maybe he appears and chases off. Oh, the two of them get into a fight, whatever. But over the next couple of weeks, I don't think Sting would even do any talking. I think you you, you generate this idea that Bischoff has signed Sting to a contract. And it's almost, almost that you're going to do what I say. You don't have a choice. Otherwise, I'm going to tear the contract up. And Sting becomes the unwilling participant in this build-up, and, and and Bischoff signs the match. Sting, you're facing Austin at WrestleMania. And they and they can they can fight Austin, obviously, being Austin runs in. He stuns Sting. Maybe, maybe it happens at no way. He runs in, he stuns Sting. 
because, mm-hmm. you know, that's who Austin is. And that lights the fire. Sting got stunned. He's going to battle Austin. He's going to take it on, but he's never talking. And it's still very much the unwilling participant in Eric Bischoff's games. And we build to this match, Austin and Sting at WrestleMania. We know it's Austin's last moment. And I truly believe Austin would put Sting over in the ring. But I think Sting is playing the... The, the tweener is not going to be full on heel because at the end of the match, I think they shake hands and Bischoff comes in and he's furious. What, what are you doing? You can't do that. You know, I'm, you know, it, it's just not appropriate. And Sting drops Bischoff then and there making him a full fledged face. Uh-huh. And then he, he basically then moves into a, a, a battle with Bischoff on raw and, 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 and it becomes almost, Sting, uh, Eric Bischoff versus Sting on Raw, and, and and Sting probably is going to have some battles with with Hunter. He probably goes into a series of matches with Hunter, and then we're we maybe we're saved from the uh, from the Kevin Nash Triple H matches that, that um, put us all to sleep. But yeah. Maybe maybe Sting goes in there because Austin comes in as the uh, as the sheriff. Maybe uh, Bischoff is trying to you know put it over and make Sting wrestle scrub after scrub. And then Bischoff is in as the, as the sheriff and he signs Austin to face Triple H. And so maybe we get two, two matches against Triple H. Hunter probably does everything he can backstage to keep the belt, whether Sting gets a run. I'm not saying it happens at this time, but, but it, it really becomes that Sting is, is the de facto middle guy between the Austin and Bischoff battle. And, and then Sting sort of after he battles with Triple H, he probably siphons off and, and, and has battles with your Canes and your, your Booker T's and your, you know, your various guys on Raw. And maybe we get the rebuild and it's, and it's over the course of the year, we start to rebuild Sting. And then maybe at, um, at Royal Rumble, it's not he who shall not be named on this podcast who wins the Royal Rumble, but maybe it's Sting being pushed back to the top to finally overcome Triple H at uh, at WrestleMania and and claim the title that he's you know the big gold belt that was that was his previously, and Sting goes on to have a have his time in the sun, uh, finally overcoming Triple H's antics. Hmm. Uh, so your scenario has, uh, I love everything up through the Austin Bischoff WrestleMania stuff. After that, it sounds like you would like to keep Sting on Raw and D- and have Triple Eight and have Sting deal with Evolution. Yes. Um, clarify to me again where Goldberg fits in all this. Goldberg. He meets well. He has his little 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 deal with with Rock, and then, like I said, Sting Sting sort of. I think Sting loses to to, to Hunter at um. You know, they have their, their two headed match rather than Nash, and Sting loses. Hunter then goes on to to deal with Goldberg, and Sting battles. I, I think he just then sort of wanders aimlessly. Through, I honestly feel he just wander aimlessly through the roster for a few months, and then. When you come out of the, you come out to the end of the year of '93, and you move into uh, sorry '03, and you move into '04, 
I think you reheat him then at the Royal Rumble. And instead of he who shall not be named mm-hmm. um, winning Bold the Rumble in, in, in 94, Sting wins the Rumble in 94 and builds up again to meet You mean meet 04. H- 04, 04, sorry, 04. and meet, meet Triple H at WrestleMania that year as Goldberg's run with at the top is finished and Goldberg finishes his – Goldberg, basically, his storyline remains unchanged except – he has an ally in Sting, and so Sting's got his back, and you have some backstage sketches, maybe a couple of tag matches. But mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Goldberg's trajectory changes. He 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 does okay. rock. He goes through um, he goes through um, Hell in the Cell, beats Hunter, loses it back, and then he's dealing with Brock as he as he did. And I think Sting takes the place of Nash, has a couple of main events with with Hunter. Goes through some other guys for a few months, and then at Royal Rumble, we reheat Sting up to because Sting's proven his loyalty. He's proven he can do it. He, he he's a company guy. He's done everything he's been asked, and now it's time to the fans are clamoring for it. And let's put him over, and he gets the rematch finally. I think the final that the final rematch against Hunter, where he wins the belt, and and perhaps you he, the maybe the way he doesn't beat Hunter the first time is that that yeah, evolution start getting involved. And so you siphon him off and he's battling a Batista and he's battling a Randy Orton. He's battling a Ric Flair and battling a couple of other guys completely sidetracking him. And then we deal with all that. Now I'm coming for you, Triple H. So you don't have Sting go to SmackDown and, and deal with Kurt or Brock or anything like that, or Eddie or any of that. You leave, you leave that alone. I, I, I just I think the natural storyline would be the initial stages he's he's dealing with um he's dealing with uh Bischoff. maybe after he battles Triple H he does go to SmackDown. Maybe you send him to SmackDown, he battles some guys there, but when he wins the Royal Rumble, maybe he comes back to to because he gets to choose who he's gonna face. So maybe we, we just get that, that Benoit storyline where he chooses to come back and face Triple H again rather than, you know, rather than Kurt or whatever. Hmm. I think it would be good to see him on SmackDown. I, I, I think I, – I honestly think that latter part of 04, you could have him jump to, to SmackDown for a while. You could have him doing all sorts of things. I just don't think they're going to put the belt on him until he wins the Rumble. Mm. Okay. I like Sting winning the 04 Rumble. That's kind of cool. In Philadelphia. I think that's kind of neat. Um, and then you have Sting Triple H in the main event at WrestleMania 20. Mm. And then, of course, uh, Triple H will have to say he needs his, he wants his win back. So that's when he beats him at WrestleMania 31. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, <laughs> um, I like that, Dave. I don't even want to touch that. Because I think you're right. Unlike 2000, our 2011 scenario, where I think Sting would be better suited on SmackDown, 2003, I think, I don't think he would fit in the scenario with with Brock and Kurt and Eddie. And there's something, there's good symmetry there that leads them into 04. Mm-hmm. 03, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Sting, you know, get Sting loses the two match. You know, you have the the, the Schmaz match at Judgment Day. And then Sting loses to, uh, to to Triple H at Hell in a Cell, and then, you know, Triple H wins or uh, Sting wins the Rumble, and uh, Sting goes to Triple H and says, "You thought you got rid of me, huh?" 
You thought you were, you thought you were through with me last June at at uh, Bad Blood. I'm back, and Sting gets the win at WrestleMania 20, and uh, and then after that, uh, maybe at SummerSlam, if you keep the belt on, see, this is what I would do. Uh, I'll say this, uh, Dave, I would keep the belt on Sting all the way through the spring and summer of 04, just like you did with Voldemort. Yep. Except at SummerSlam, he doesn't lose it to Orton. At SummerSlam, we get Sting and Sean. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. So, and then then you could drop the belt to, down the line, and then we don't have that crappy Orton Triple H shit at the end of 04 and all that other stuff. And you still and you're still and you're still building Batista. You don't get Sting doesn't get in the way of that. So no, no, and and see in in 03 after the after the Triple H run, he can be doing things like like at SummerSlam and at Survivor Series, he can do cross promotional matches. He can he can face a Brock or a Kurt Angle or a whoever you want an Undertaker. You could have a cross, you know, a match against someone from the other roster. And or you know he gets involved in a smack, in a Survivor Series match where he he faces on Team Raw versus Team SmackDown or maybe he you know something like that that you could do that and then after you know after he loses the belt on Raw in you know late '04 or whatever move him transition him over to SmackDown then he can have matches with with guys on SmackDown then he can he can go through that side of things and and you know you know then move him into the part time role. Mm-hmm. We talked about that earlier. Move him into the part-time role and and have right. him have him still putting you know putting over young guys and and maybe every now and then you know you're building up. You know, imagine Sting versus Edge on, on Edge's rise up the card. Yeah. Imagine you know or, or you know imagine imagine him him facing you know a, a Batista or a you know a Batista is a heel or a Cena. I mean. Yeah, the, the the battle of the ages, the fran- the previous franchise versus the new franchise at WrestleMania, Cena versus versus uh, versus Sting, um, instead of you know instead of maybe Cena versus Sean or Cena versus Hunter, you you have him fight race, wrestle Sting one year. Yeah, I I uh, I agree. I think that would be I think that works out fine. So if that did happen in two thousand three, I think that'd be nothing but good for for WWE. I think it'd be bad for, well, Sting pretty much took all that time off anyway. Like, he doesn't really go to TNA till what, oh, five, I think. Um, so he took all that time off regardless. Mm. So, I, I mean, TNA could still, I mean, he, he may never go to TNA. Or maybe he hangs around until, like, oh, seven and then decides, yeah, all right, I'm good. I'm going to, I think I'm good here. And then yeah, I, think, I think like everyone, he probably hits the point, but like a foley. Okay, I've done, I've done my thing, I've done my time. Uh, Vin, I, I, yeah, maybe he starts having that personality clash with Vince. So I'm not liking the direction, or maybe he's not liking the direction of the company, or maybe look, the reality is probably just not being used as much as he wants. And it's like my contract has expired. I'm going to go and try the other guys out now. And at that point, I think Vince would be fine with it. You know, they've done so much, and and you know he's done enough. And now we have all this young talent. You got to start working yeah. these young guys. In, Door, so. Doors always open, Sting. You can come back anytime. Anytime, exactly. Wow, uh, we really, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was. I didn't think we were able to pull all that off, but I think we. I think the scenarios were all really good. 
I think we gave Sting a lot of fun stuff to chew on. Um, but boy, those 1991 and 1996 scenarios, woo! <laughs> I think we I think we came through the other side of a black hole. <laughs> That's how deep we went. But uh, I think we found some other topics for the future, Dave, because I think in both cases, in the 1991 and 1996 cases, you're exactly right. The guy most affected if Sting came here, I think, is Bret Hart in both cases. So yeah. something to think about for the future. Well, that'll do it. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed this awesome episode of uh, of Through the Looking Glass. Dave, where can everyone find you? Um, you can, as always, you can find me lurking, uh, lurking through Facebook. Uh, hit me up. Send me a message. We'd love to chat to you. Let us know your thoughts. Um, you can also hear me over on the uh, on the North South uh, Connection side of the of the Quad of Pods. Um, I'm I'm involved with the uh, the 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 uh, the no so monthly uh, mm-hmm. so uh, one of the crew that brings you each each month brings you uh, one match from a from a pay-per-view of course all those matches come together from from things so the most recent episode dropped was WrestleMania 3 just uh just last week so go check yes. it out I had the yep. opportunity to review the Can-Am Connection versus the Magnificent Morocco uh, Bob Orton opening match from WrestleMania 3. It was, there it was we good go. fun. So go check it out. There's a lot of all different views. It's always a good listen. How about you, Scott? Where where can people uh, touch base with you and hear you? Uh, everywhere on this planet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> right. Uh, you can <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Scott C Podfather. Obviously, I'm I'm also on on Facebook. I'm on the Place to Be page, the Place to Be Nation page. Uh, most importantly, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, the brand at PTB and Wrestling. We do the wrestling time travel. Uh, I got to hook you up with that, Dave, because you're not on Twitter. So I got to show you that. Uh, every day, of course, well, this this past weekend, I had some issues. I couldn't post it. But every day I try to put uh, what shows, major shows, happened on this date in history. WWF, WCW, NWA, ECW, New Japan, and um, um, is that all of them? I think so. New Japan, WCW, New Japan, WCW, ECW. Oh, and Impact. So, uh, and all the, all the, and see, you know, what thinking back at it, oh God, today was this? Wow. Uh, so we try to do that. Uh, we always have great pods here in the PTB Wrestling Network. Um, uh, we are uh, obviously the new pod that dropped earlier this month. We're going to have a fresh pod coming up in March. The Pod of Honor, myself, Steve Willie, we talk about some of the greatest moments and some of the greatest matches in the history of Ring of Honor. Uh, I love our topic uh, this coming. I hope you enjoyed our first episode earlier this month where we talked about uh, the first, the early matches in ROH history in 2002, 2003, and 2004. Um, we have a very great topic uh, for the month of March. Um, even though he passed away at the end of January, we're going to honor Jay Briscoe uh, with our next episode. So stay tuned for that. That'll drop on March uh, 7th. So. That always drops the first Tuesday in March. So Tuesday, March 7th, we'll drop the, the newest episode of Pod of Honor. Uh, of course, Place to Be Podcast, Place to Be Nation's main event, uh, the NWA Saturday special, um, all the great shows. Uh, listen to them all, place to be.podbean.com. They drop on Twitter. Uh, they're on Facebook as well. And, and, of course, they're on Podbean. And all, of course, your podcatchers, whether it's uh, uh, whether it is uh, Amazon or Spotify or our Apple podcasts, uh, just check us out. We're here for you. We are the fans feed absolutely free. We don't charge. We don't have ads. We're just here for you because that's what we do. Cause we love talking about it. Have a wonderful month of February, Dave. It is always a pleasure. 
uh, stay so cool. You stay cool. I'll this. stay warm. And you stay warm. Exactly. You stay cool. I'll stay warm. And uh, have a wonderful rest of February. And we will talk to you in March through the looking glass. 